Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Hey listeners, you didn't know we were going to pop in with a bonus this week. I'm actually starting an entire new bonus series. I'm calling it Spotlighting Abortion Supportive Voices because there are so many amazing articles out there about abortion care, um, about women's experiences after abortion, and I wanted to start getting some of those voices in audio. I wanted to get start putting some of those words to our listening ears. So I have asked, and I continue to ask, some of the authors of my favorite articles to read for us. This is going to be a really simple bonus series. I'm going to have these um, amazing writers share their work by voice, and then I will link everything up so that you can go read their article and connect to all the amazing stuff. Um, And we're just going to pop these out every once in a while when I feel called. So if you have favorite articles, favorite um, links, favorite pieces of writing, it could even be from a book that you feel really touched your life in some way or made a difference or just that you feel that other listeners might want to hear, please send me those links in private message and I will reach out to the authors and see if they are up for sharing their voices with all of us. There's something really powerful about hearing the writer share his or her work in their own voice. And so I'm super excited to start this bonus series um, with a piece by Rachel L. Dyer. And she is a a scholar and an activist, and she's a PhD student in counseling psychology. She's at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and you can follow her work on Instagram at ReproScholar, so R-E-P-R-O-S-C-H-O-L-A-R on Instagram. So you're going to love her voice as much as I do, and you're going to love her wisdom and her words. And I can't think of a better episode to launch this series with. Enjoy. This piece was originally published in Medium. It's titled, Why Support for Abortion Belongs in Your Anti-Racist Practice. In the midst of nationwide uprisings calling for justice after Minneapolis police killed George Floyd, white folks are building up their pro-black, anti-racist practices. Actions against the police killings of black people have taken place in all 50 states, in small towns, and online. Additionally, nearly all of the top best-selling books on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble address anti-racism, while anti-racist Instagram educators are seeing their followings grow, introducing themselves to thousands of new followers. Movements like Showing Up for Racial Justice have been responsive to this hunger to engage in the practice of anti-racism. One movement that has been wholly unresponsive to this hunger for justice is the anti-abortion movement, despite claiming explicit parallels between police violence and abortion care. The movement has used the language of Black Lives Matter in their legislation, warping it to, quote, unborn lives matter, 
a phrase that endows a fetus with personhood and co-ops the demands of black people for basic human rights. Abortion clinic staffers and escorts have watched as anti-abortion protesters confront black abortion patients, throwing phrases like Black Lives Matter at them, according to Vox. For years, anti-abortion activists have erected billboards with pictures of black children that use wording like, quote, the most dangerous place for an African American is in the womb, end quote, attacking black people's bodily autonomy and agency in their ongoing campaign to stigmatize abortion care as something outside of normal health care. The anti-abortion movement has long portrayed legal abortion as, quote, black genocide, feigning care for abortion patients and their families. Anti-abortion lawmakers insist that abortion is a conspiracy against black people. Currently, black women account for approximately one-third of all people who have abortions in the United States, despite accounting for only 13% of the country's population. Although this has been debunked, anti-abortion activists claim that this discrepancy is due to abortion clinics targeting majority black neighborhoods. In reality, the higher proportions of abortions within the black community is due to disparities in healthcare access and quality, a rightful distrust of medical and family planning services, and other oppressions impacting the lives and health of black people. However, a singular focus on preventing abortions in the black community does little more than perpetuate the oppression of black reproductive agency, wrote Jill C. Morrison, a Georgetown University law professor, in a 2019 publication of the Yale Journal of Law and Feminism. As Morrison writes, quote, enslaved women had no right to exclude others from access to their bodies, end quote, as their reproductive capacity was central to their value as property. Rape by owners and forced breeding was common. Following slavery, black women were disproportionately targeted for sterilization by eugenics boards until 1979. Morrison argues that the treatment of black sexuality and reproduction as property continues today through racist, reproductively oppressive policies, such as family caps, the denial of cash benefit assistance to low-income, disproportionately black families who have additional children and fetal assault laws, of which black women account for more than half of those prosecuted, quote, despite evidence that women of all races use illicit substances at equal rates, end quote. Today, because much of the history of black reproductive oppression is characterized by the prevention of having and raising children, black women are, quote, demonized as threats to the black community for deciding to terminate pregnancies, end quote. Sociologists Luigi Esposito and Victor Eduardo Romano have suggested that the anti-abortion movement is acting out of benevolent racism, an expression of positive intent toward black folks that ultimately perpetuates oppression. The term benevolent racism was first used in 2000 to describe the art world where, in order to be successful in the eyes of dominant white culture, black artists are constrained to creating certain kinds of art. As the term's creator, Rashid Arayin, describes benevolent racism this way, It is not seen as discrimination because it appears not to create a disadvantage. For example, someone enacting benevolent racism might say that policing protects black people from crime in their own neighborhoods, disregarding the white supremacist history of policing and its impact on the black community. Policing was designed to harm and oppress black people, both historically and currently. 
According to Khalil Gibran Muhammad in an interview with National Public Radio's Throughline podcast, policing had its origins in slave patrollers and vigilante groups of white men who took it upon themselves to, quote, dispense corporal punishment against black bodies. And the modern professionalization of policing was built upon assumptions that black people are inherently criminal. Esposito and Romano wrote that, quote, benevolent racism acknowledges the plight of black Americans and ostensibly condemns the devaluation of black lives. However, it does so in ways that further reinforce attitudes and practices that perpetuate racial inequality and black disenfranchisement. For the anti-abortion movement, their benevolent racism is grounded in the claim that they are preventing abortions to prevent black genocide, disregarding the history of reproductive oppression and its impact on the black community. For example, in 2019, Justice Clarence Thomas dissented on the Supreme Court's refusal to reinstate an Indiana law that banned abortion on the basis of sex, disability, and race. Thomas highlighted the percentage of black women accessing abortion care to claim that access to abortion is a form of eugenics, without any note of black folks' desire and capacity to make their own reproductive decisions, particularly in light of a history of reproductive oppression. Author Adam Cohen, heavily cited in Thomas's dissent for his writings on eugenics in the United States, rejected Thomas's claims in a statement in The Atlantic. Quote, between eugenic sterilization and abortion lie two critical differences. Who is making the decision and why they are making it? In eugenic sterilization, the state decides who may not reproduce and acts with the goal of improving the population. In abortion, a woman decides not to reproduce for personal reasons related to a specific pregnancy. End quote. As Loretta Ross, a founding mother of reproductive justice, wrote in 2011 about fighting against these racist anti-abortion efforts, quote, whether black women were pro-choice or pro-life, we were united in believing that black women could reasonably decide for ourselves whether to become parents. Freedom is inherent in black women, and we would let no one limit our liberty, end quote. Abortion care is part of black reproductive agency. Given the benevolently racist efforts of the anti-abortion movement to perpetuate black reproductive oppression, those of us building our pro-black anti-racist practices must act to support abortion and, according to Esposito and Romano, quote, prevent to transformative potential of the Black Lives Matter movement from being appropriated by reactionary segments of the U.S. society that support, either deliberately or inadvertently, the prevailing status quo. If the anti-abortion movement truly wanted to benefit the black community, they would do more than call for the end of abortions. As Renee Bracey Sherman, the founder and executive director of We Testify, tweeted, quote, anti-abortion folks spend all day calling us murderers, even making billboards demonizing black women, but can't be bothered to even tweet that the police are the ones killing us on TV. They don't actually care. Anti-abortion activists can't bother listening to actual black people about what we need and want. Only join in to co-opt when it's convenient, end quote. To learn more about how to integrate support for abortion in your pro-black, anti-racist practice, watch Defending Black Bodies, a Reproductive Justice Town Hall, and explore the associated website and hashtag, hashtag RJ for Black Lives. 
Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.